Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. Weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you so much for joining us for another week. A big week it is too. We wrap up what was a fantastic double header at the bend. Joining us shortly will be Cam Waters, a winner on the weekend in uh, Supercars. So great to speak to him. Richard Crowell to join me to have a chat to him and also Dale Rogers to talk a bit of F1 for us later on as well. But first, the news. And Scott McLaughlin has become just the fourth man to win three consecutive Supercar Drivers' Championships, racking up the 2020 title at Talon Bend on Sunday. McLaughlin claimed two wins at a second across the weekend, meaning he'll take an unassailable 305-point lead in the next month's final event at Bathurst, McLaughlin was relieved to wrap up the session ahead of the great race, which he can now attack in isolation. Awesome credit to everyone at Shelby Power Racing. Feels, um, feels weird not being able to celebrate the fans like normal and whatever, but um, we've got one main one now. We've got the, uh, the big one we can fully focus on, and uh, Bathurst have a massive crack at it. But, um, you know, it's been an awesome uh, battle with Jamie throughout the whole year, and uh, and then for Cam to get his first one of the year, congrats to him. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a bit, at the start, I just I was trying to be safe, but wanted, wanted to get the lead. But uh, yeah, he did a great job. So um, oh, I'm stoked. Talon Ben saw Cameron Waters break through for his first solo supercars victory, a feat he described as a long time coming. Waters has stood on the podium on several occasions this season, but wasn't until the season's penultimate race that he cracked top spot. Waters sits third in the overall Drivers' Championship, his only other victory coming in the 2017 Sandown 500, along with Richie Stanaway. Thanks, man. Yeah, was, um, the car was, was awesome. We uh, made it a little bit better between the two races, and I just needed to get a good start, and yeah, I was away. So, um, yeah, the boys did a mega job in the pit stop. Could have done it without them, and, um, yeah, just to reward all their hard work they put in, it's, it's awesome. So, um, absolutely pumped, and... I was just excited to blow the rears off it. I was nursing it for the whole race. I just wanted to get rid of him. Jamie Winkup has paid tribute to McLaughlin as a deserving winner after results of 10th, 7th and 3rd saw his slim chance of an 8th Supercar Championship slip away. 
Wing Cup was involved in a pit lane mishap during race 29, but avoided personal punishment. His Triple Eight team were fined and docked 30 teams championship points. Wing Cup will be joined at Bathurst by Craig Lowndes, where he will likely finish second for a fourth time in the championship. Big congrats to Scotty and his team for a, um, an amazing year. We, 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 did whatever, we did everything we could to, uh, to try to take the championship to Bathurst, but uh, we just weren't quite quick enough. And, um, yeah, you've got to be consistent as well. And we just, we just weren't quite there. But um, that's OK. Pretty proud of what, uh, what everyone's done this year. Uh, looking forward to just going to Bathurst now in a few weeks' time. And it's all gods off and see so you can get to the finish line first. Michelle V-Power Racing engineer Ludo Lacroix has backed McLaughlin to succeed in the IndyCar circuit ahead of his debut next month. McLaughlin will head to the US after Bathurst and speculation continues to mount that he may not return to supercars for some time. McLaughlin did little to water down the rumours, telling Fox Sports he's been in contract with DJR Penske for 2021, but that he'll have to wait and see. Gary Rogers Motorsport has begun legal proceedings against Motorsport Australia following their inability to obtain a super licence for Nathan Hearn ahead of the Bathurst 1000. TRM have applied for Hearn to receive a provisional licence, arguing there is ample time for him to be assessed prior to the race. Team Director Barry Rogers is adamant the team won't consider a replacement for the 18-year-old and that they'll withdraw if an agreement can't be reached. Valtteri Bottas has won his second Grand Prix of the Formula 1 campaign in Russia, closing the gap on Lewis Hamilton to 44 points in the Drivers' Championship. Bottas had the race under control for the majority of the Sochi event, aided by Hamilton receiving two five-single penalties for pre-race practice infringements. Post-race, Bottas acknowledged Hamilton's penalties had worked in his favour. Very satisfying. Obviously, it's been... uh... You know, not frustrating, but you know, it's been so close many times to win the race, and I feel things definitely haven't gone my way. And today they definitely did. I also consider myself, no doubt, a bit lucky. But even you know, w- without Lewis's penalty when he stopped, and uh, when I was in free air, I felt I was the fastest guy around. So I could really control my pace, and when I had to go faster, I could really find new levels and you know so everything felt really under control and it's that's a beautiful feeling and Hamilton has slammed the penalties that saw him finish third in Sochi claiming the stewards were out to stop him Hamilton was deemed to have conducted practice starts outside the designated area and not maintained constant throttle in the pit exit as a result Mercedes boss Toto Wolff backed his driver labeling the penalties far-fetched Hamilton was also initially handed two super licence penalty points, a decision the FIA later rescinded. Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo were among a number of drivers to voice their displeasure at the configuration of Turn 2 at Sochi, which has been labelled one of the worst corners of the calendar. Sainz crashed out on the opening lap, navigating the billboard chicane of the designated re-entry zone, while Ricciardo was penalised later in the race in the same area. Ricciardo went on to finish fifth, solidifying his position in sixth overall. Frenchman Fabio Quadrero has reclaimed his lead atop the MotoGP Championship with a win at the Catalan Grand Prix. He finished ahead of Spanish Suzuki duo Juan Mer and Alex Rins and now holds an eight-point lead over the former. Quadrero began the MotoGP season in flying form, winning the first two races, but he's not seen the podium since.
And Moore has played down expectations. He could be the man to end Suzuki's 20-year wait for a premier class crown, despite being the most consistent rider this MotoGP season. Moore came from eighth on the grid to finish second in Catalonia, his fourth podium finish from eight races. Both he and Quadrero played down questions. They are the main contenders with six races remaining. And joining us, as he does always on the program, Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crowlsey. Hello, Shebexter. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic yourself. Yeah, really well. Two race weekends in a row for me for the first time in about six months. So loved it, mate. It was nice to be back at the circuit. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, one bloke that loved being at the bend last weekend because he got his first individual win of his supercars career. Of course, he had his first win with Richie Stanaway at Sandown in 2016, I think, or 17 or somewhere around then. Anyway, he joins us now from Tickford Racing and Monster Energy Racing. Cam Waters, g'day Cam, congratulations mate, well done. G'day mate, yeah, thank you. It was um, yeah, awesome to finally get that solo win. Uh, yeah, tell us about it. I mean, the emotion was evident on your face and your reactions in the car when you crossed the line. That feeling is pretty amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's, it's awesome. So um, obviously the, the Sandown win was pretty special being the first win, but um, yeah, this one's still pretty special being the first solo win and Felt like it's been a, a long time coming. Um, we've had a lot of pace, I guess, over the last few years. Just um, hasn't quite come together to get that solo win. So, um, yeah, finally, finally got it done. Um, this has been building, though, Cam, hasn't it? Especially this season, you guys have been really leading the way from a Tickford front, but but from a non-DJR and, and Triple Eight front as well. And um, Darwin too was very strong for you. A great speed there. Great speed across Townsville. Has it been frustrating that it's been so close, but seemingly so far away from that breakthrough win? Uh, to be honest, we haven't really been thinking about, you know, trying to win a race. We've just been trying to focus on the car and, and making sure that's um, doing what we need. So I think, um, like you said, Darwin was probably a little bit of a turning point. Um, and then Townsville were really fast uh, with a few things that we tried. So that was, um, that was good. And I think, you know, that's just transpired into, um, you know, more podiums and, and that wins. So, uh, yeah, haven't been focusing too hard on winning the race. It's more about just having uh, having everything around you to, to be able to do it. And solid car speed at the first bend track on the, the long circuit international track with the soft tyre for the first time, but it all clicked, didn't it, last weekend on the west circuit and your car was fast from, from early practice right the way through the weekend. Yeah, we were, um, we were fast on the long circuit, just probably didn't qualify as good as we should have, um, but our race pace was there, so... We, uh, we knew kind of what we needed to do going to, you know, the short circuit. It was more of a 90-degree car and, and what we needed. And um, yeah, we really tuned up that qualifying performance for Talonbend 2, which really set up our weekend. So, um, yeah, I just needed to get good starts and um, yeah, managed to get one in that last one. And, um, yeah, just had to not make any mistakes after that. Been probably one of your most consistent seasons so far. I think there's no doubt about that. You've been top five in the championship for pretty much most of it, which just really goes to that consistency, doesn't it? Yeah, it's been a, a solid year with that consistency. And, um, you know, last year we were pretty consistent. We had a small blip on the radar um, probably mid-year. But, um, yeah, this year we've really chimed it up and, and worked out what we've needed at, at particular tracks. And that's probably what's helped us um, with that. And, um you know, if you know what, what's under you, you can drive it a bit better as well. So it's, um, you know, been a little bit of everything that's, that's helped us with that. And, um, yeah, I think we can go to most tracks now and qualify 
inside the top five. And, you know, if we're, if you're not in the 10, you're pretty damn disappointed where, you know, 18 months ago, that would probably be a, a good thing if we're inside the 10. Uh, is your race 29 start race three on the weekend? Is that the best launch you've made for a long time? Um, it'll be up there. I think, um, <laughs> the two before it weren't that, that special, but, um, yeah, we've been changing the clutches a little bit to try and improve, um, some of the feel that we've, we've had inside our cars. And, um, I think that's probably helped us, but it probably hurt me at the same time because it was different. So, um, starting to get my head around it and, um, obviously it paid off for me in, in that race three there. How crazy has 2020 been for you, mate? We've spoken to other drivers about the year so far. You've been away from home for such a long period of time. How's it been for you mentally and physically, I suppose? Yeah, much, much different to what our norm is, that's for sure. We went away, I think it was July 6th and haven't been home since. So, um, yeah, been on the road, living out of a suitcase for a while now. Um, all my training's been a lot different. Um, obviously can't be going to gyms and all that kind of stuff as well. So, um, yeah, that's been probably a bit difficult, but at the same time, it's, it's been great to spend, um, you know, a lot of time in the car racing and, and it's probably helped us understand our package a bit more, which has been really good. Um, and then the other side of it is probably the team morale. Um, you know, everyone's spending so much time together. They, um, they are really, you know, working a bit better together and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's had its ups and downs, and I think for Tickford, it's probably been a, been a good thing. Just the other flip side of that, too, I suppose, is uh, the amount of time that you get to spend with the engineering department and actually learning the car and learning everything else about racing, I suppose, would be a massive benefit. Yeah, it's been a massive benefit for us. So, um, you know, usually you go to a race and you, um, you get to Sunday Arvo and... Um, you kind of get locked into a setup and you, you can't try particular things. So you have to wait 12 months and, and often in 12 months time, your pass totally different anyway. So it's been really good to go back to the same circuit and try different things in practice, things you wouldn't usually try. And um, for us, it's, it's probably been very good with that because we've been able to, you know, find a couple of things with our car with what, what it needs. And um, yeah, I think that's probably been a, a benefit for for us. Cam, I'm, I'm interested in the dynamic at Tickford and it, it probably wasn't a fact, but it always felt like that at least in the last couple of years, Chaz was the de facto leader there, at least in terms of results. Do you feel like this year he's moved on? Do you feel like you've taken a more of a leadership role within that team or have things not changed? Has it just been a sort of gradual evolution from your side of things? Um, I guess in the past it's, probably just been perceived that, you know, the oldest bloke in the team is the leader. So it was Frosty and then, you know, probably ended up with Chaz and then probably it's ended up with me. But, mm. um, you know, even through those years, I wouldn't say that there was a specific leader. Um, you know, at Tickford, we always try and work together as much as we can to, to improve our cars. And, um, you know, on your given day, you'll, um, you'll perform and, you know, you'll outperform your teammates and on their days, they'll probably outperform you. But, um, I think the main thing is having that culture to be able to help each other and, and improve um, as a team. I'm going to ask the question then a little bit different. Have you felt that you have grown as a driver in 2020 with that little bit of extra responsibility, I suppose? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely been a, a step up for performance for myself and the car six guys. And, um, you know, I think with Chaz leaving, it, it, I thought 
it might have left a bit of a hole with us, um, you know, with setups and stuff like that. But I, I think it's it's probably been a, um, not a bad thing that he's he's left. Um, you know, I think we've filled that that hole um, with the other guys, and we've been working really well together anyway. So that's been um, that's been very positive. And I guess the other side of it is another year with my engineer Potsy um, and my data guy Ray, and um, you know those relationships keep growing and that's definitely, definitely helped things as well. And quite a big change at Tickford, mate, with, with the driving lineup, especially James Courtney's in the ranks now, Lee Holdsworth's there, a lot of experience. And then you've got Jack LeBrock coming into the mix, um, bringing a lot of youth and perhaps some different ideas. What, what's that dynamic been like with some new faces amongst the group this year as well? Yes. Um, it's been good. It's been refreshing. There's, you know, new faces and, and people with new ideas in the team, which has been been great. Um, we always laugh at each other. There's, you know, the, the young pups in one garage and then the old farts <laughs> in the other. And, um, you know, the young pups are outperforming the old dogs at the moment. But um, there was a, a period there the old dogs are up on us. So, um, yeah, we're good. We're always um, yeah, working together and having a laugh with each other. And I think you need that when you're on the road so long. And, um, you know, when the time's... At times, it can be a bit challenging, and, and you need to be able to draw on those relationships to um to get through. So it's been um it's been really good. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I'll tell you what, from a spectator's point of view, I'm so excited about supercars at the moment because we're actually getting some fantastic product from the teams that haven't really been performing at that top level for a long time. Tickford have always been thereabouts, but guys like Kelly Racing have really stood up. Guys like Brad Jones Racing have really stood up. All of a sudden. Instead of having McLaughlin, Coulthard, Wincup and Van Gisbergen, we've got any one of 10, 12 drivers on any weekend that can actually win a race. And from a spectator's point of view, that's bloody exciting. What's it like from a driver's point of view? Yeah, I think it's, it's been awesome for supercars to um, you know, have it spiced up a little bit. I think in the past it's been a little bit vanilla and you could you know, pick up or turn on the TV and you're going to know who's going to be on the front two rows most weekends. So um, yeah, this weekend with... I think the formats and, um, you know, in qualifying, you get one shot at it on one set of tyres. So you can make a mistake and be nowhere or, or be up there and it's really spice things up. So, um, you know, I'm really liking the formats. I think they've been a, a good thing for this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, a, been a good year. Would, would you see some of it carry over, if not all of it carry over into the future? Cam, I mean, you, you've done a lot of speedway racing and, and the Sundays at the supercar round this year have felt a bit like a night at the sprint cars where you go out for hot laps and then it's bang straight into racing. So can you see that carrying on? The two-day format, short sprint races across a mixture of rounds moving forward when things get back to whatever the new normal is? Um, I think there'll just be a combination. So um, I don't think the, you know, the long races are bad. I think it's just pick your races where you do them and and even with um with the short ones there'll be specific specific i can't even say that word <laughs> specific. Um, particular particular tracks where you'll um you'll want one or the other format so um yeah i think you know the supercars guys will sit down and work out what's best in in which track and we'll go from there Last one for you, mate. I know you've uh, got to go, and we do thank you for your time. Uh, Bathurst coming up. You go into Bathurst third in the championship. I think 50 points ahead of Shane and 200 points behind Jamie. So there's every opportunity you could finish second. There's every opportunity you could finish fourth or possibly even fifth, depending on what happens. Does the championship play in your 
vision for one. Bathurst or is it just go hard or go home? Uh, I think if you're going for the win, you would definitely, um, you know, be definitely in the back of your mind. But for, for me, I'd love to finish third. Um, but Bathurst can throw anything at you. And it's um, it has at me in the last few years, obviously. So yes. for me, it'll just be about going there, being fast, um, working on our race car and, and just try and go there to win it, really. I think that's all, all we can hope for and, and hopefully finish it. And um, at the end of the day, if we've had a good day, you know, we'll be up there in the points in the championship. If not, we'll, um, we might fall back a little bit. But the last few rounds have been really good for me, trying to build a bit of a buffer to um, to the other guys. So I've uh, got a little bit there, but but not much. Gun co-driver this year, mate, Will Davo. I know he's been out of the car since round one, but he's as sharp as ever. And, and as you know, experience at Mount Panorama counts for so much. So he's a pretty good one to have on your side. Yeah, 100%. I think I've probably got the best co-driver out there for sure. So, um, you know, fresh out of main game, did a race at the start of the year and um, very competitive. So um, he knows our cars and he knows, you know, what um, what he needs to do in the car to make him go fast, which is, you know, half the battle at times. So, um, yeah, super pumped to have Wilbur pair up with me. And, and the other side of it is, you know, the co-drivers haven't done that many laps. So, um, you know, having someone that's fresh is going to be, um, you know, another advantage again. So, um, yeah, we're pretty pumped for, for Bathurst and we're going to go there to try and win it. We're really pumped to have you on the program and also to have you have that win on the weekend, made another one to the list for the year. Thanks for your time today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, all the best in the run-up to Bathurst and on the big day itself. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, boys. For a chat about what happened last weekend at the Bend and also plenty of F1 news as well. Dale Rogers joins us from theracetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Hey, Shebex and Krause. Nice to be on the show. Love it to have you on the show, mate. And first of all, Krause, we should have a, a chat to you. You're our man on the beat. You went to two weekends of racing at the Bend. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's People okay. in Victoria, I apologise. It's <laughs> okay. Two awesome weekends. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you end up having a, a vanilla uh, milk? And all those beautiful, what are those what? beautiful milks? What are you talking about? A Farmers Union iced coffee? That's the one. Uh, yeah. Nice coffee, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I vanilla thought you were more. Milk. Of a, I thought you were more of a vanilla man. What? I don't know what you're talking about, Shebex. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no. Look, it was, it was, it was tremendous, Shebeki. I've had um, had a couple of sensational weeks. Um, First event was great. We touched on that last week with Mark, obviously. Really enjoyed week two. Um, from a personal point of view, it was lovely to be back on the mic on Fox, calling some supports with my good mate, Matt Nolte. So that was lovely. I wasn't sure that would happen again this this year. So that was outstanding. And massive thanks to the unbelievably hardworking crew at Supercar Media. And um, it's worth pointing out before I go any further, the, um, the traveling crew, there's about 20 guys and girls that have been on the road with supercars media to produce it. A lot of it's done remotely out of Sydney, which is very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and prone to technical dramas and satellite links going down and comms failing. Um, and when the guy producing it, David Tunnicliffe is, um, you know, 1550 kilometers away from the racetrack. It just, you know, in, on paper you go, oh, well, it should work. The technology's there, but there's no substitute for being at the track to make stuff happen. Um, as we've experienced this year, putting the show together. 
Um, but to the team at Supercar Media who have put the broadcast together, they've just done such an outstanding job. And we've said it before, you would not know that they were running at probably 35% capacity at the circuit to put that together. Um, such as the standard. Too, that they had 10 weeks of uh, racing, virtual racing as well in between there. So there wasn't a break for anyone. It was like, yeah, which is, into it. I mean, I mean, probably good because they were still working, but, but you're right. But this crew, so, you know, everyone's talking about this, the fact that these teams and drivers have been on the road for hundred days now, but most of the supercar media crew have been on the road nonstop since before Hidden Valley as well, when they, they dashed up to the territory um, via Queensland. So Nathan Prendergast, who was on the show earlier this year, who's the GM of media and content supercars runs the, the broadcast show um, he's driven more than 22,000 kilometres in the last 10 weeks or so on the road to, to, to be on the road with the championship, which is just amazing. So the sacrifice they've made is outstanding and the product is awesome. And it was so cool to, to see that in action. But boys, I, I loved last weekend. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the other circuit and, and I was quite strong promoter of the West circuit as being a cool option and after Saturday, which was a pretty tame motor race, I think we can all agree, I was going, oh, I probably went a little bit too hard maybe, but I was I was wrapped with the product on Sunday. It was a very different product to what we saw on the international track a week earlier. And I think that's great. Really, really liked the, the really elbows out Biff and Bash touring car racing we saw on Sunday last weekend. Thoroughly enjoyable couple of motor races and, um, and a really impressive weekend that was well supported by fans at the circuit, by corporates. Um, I don't have the full numbers, but but I can tell you the crowd was very, very impressive both days. And in fact, all four days. So really, really great thing. And, and there's a column on the racetalk.com about how I think the last two weekends have done as much for supercars as they have for the bend because they've got the product right to suit the, the circuit, which we all know is great. And they now they mix together and in my opinion, that it just it now goes without saying that that track, either layout, should be on the calendar moving forward on the basis that they've got the technical package right. So um, I loved it. I, I thought it was really, really cool. And you just miss the vibe of being at a racetrack. And um, it was so nice to, to soak some of that up. And I desperately hope that both you two and everyone listening gets that opportunity before the year is out, just as a reminder for, for what it's like to hear racing cars in the real world. I think one of the things that's going to be really important uh, out of this, uh, the, the last four months or so has been, there's been so much different, so many different things occur, double headers, different formats of racing, tire banks. You just hope that a lot of learnings come out of this for 2021 and beyond that we just don't revert back to here's the calendar. Here's the sprint race on yep. Saturday. Here's the longer one on Sunday. There's so many good things that have happened this year under extreme conditions that, that these need to be incorporated. I mean, doublehead weekends is a really, really interesting idea. And the way they've mixed it up with tyres has worked incredibly well. As Richard just said, when you've got two circuits you can use, mm. uh, it's extraordinary. So, you know, you really hope that, that this hasn't been a, a blip or an aberration, that, that through all the adversity that, that no, the teams, the media and the public, everyone's been through, that there are some good learnings here for 2021 and beyond because um, condensed calendars, Great for media. Uh, you know, Supercars has been in the media from the day it hit the track at, at Sydney. A lot of pressure on the teams. and We know all the backstories. 
But from a product that you're going to promote into a very volatile sporting marketing world, there's a lot of things that have come out of this year that I think I think have ticked the box incredibly well. For mine, guys, the, the biggest thing for mine has been the three sprint races. Yeah. Um, and, and probably more so at the bend than other tracks because um, in the past running on the hard tyre, the cars didn't suit that racetrack on the hard tyre at all. No. But then you do your, your stop for tyres and you do your stop for fuel and just spread the field out. Um, three short, sharp, energetic races. And for mine, having been to all of the Bend supercar events since day dot, the energy was up on both weekends, um, both from a competition point of view, but also from a punter point of view. And, and there was an energy to be trackside because the race was about to start and you didn't want to miss it because it was going to be really good. So if not for the major events like your Townsville and Gold Coast, certainly for a Winton, a Darwin, a the Bend moving forward, Simmons Plains, especially Boston. Perth. Yeah. Two-day race meetings, 100%. We talked about this last week. Three races, no fuel pit stops. Get rid of refueling outside the endurance races. It doesn't add to the show. And I think we can now validate that. At least in my head, I look at the product that we've had for the last six months, um, or the last three or four months since we've been back racing, compared to a product last year, which wasn't terrible, um, and go refueling ad would add nothing to the product that we had for the last couple of rounds at all. I don't think it would have changed a thing. In fact, it would have spread the field out even more as you've got to go through more pit stop shuffles. So I'm a big advocate for that format. I, I think it works really, really well. The, the tyre thing's been interesting too, with, with the soft tyre uh, dominating the races, uh, you know, restricted banks of tyres. But it almost now points that if we, if we are going to make some wholesale change to the series moving forward, that, and, and I'm sure they can do it, but that's an issue for, for Dunlop, but getting a super sticky would be just the icing on the cake for this series, to have something that's a really... Uh, high deck tie because on the, the the difference at the two meetings at the Ben guys was that the first weekend we had massive tie deck blistering, but yet when you enter the West Circuit it didn't occur that much. So um, I, I think you know the, the the bit of the jigsaw that's missing for me is getting that super super soft as part of the regime, and I reckon then you, there's not much not much more you need to add in. Yeah, I yeah. I, I don't disagree with that, but I I don't think I would have run a super soft tire last weekend because after race one on Saturday they worked out there wasn't a massive amount of deg so they just drove harder so yeah. the, the two races on Sunday I think were energized by the fact they were like <laughs> wacko we've got a good tire which de de delivers good grip rather yeah. than the hard let's just drive the things harder because we know they're not going to fall off a cliff like they did on the long track a week ago because of those long loaded corners. But you may use it at Simmons Plains or you may yeah. use it at other places. So I think to have it in the armory would yep. be a really cool thing. Uh, but, but yeah, look, overall it's great. And of course, the other thing, Richard and, and Tony, I reckon is great about this is that these, these weekends we've had a you know, 120k race, a 200k race or a 300k race, they start to sort of merge into endurance races. Yeah, Endurance races are a key part of the calendar. They're long races, they're two driver races, or they're split like the Gold Coast race. And sprint races are sprint races. I reckon it just makes the calendar or the, or the format of the race is so clear that you're going racing hard, a couple of races a day, and then you go to endurance racing. There's, 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 no, there's no confusion. I, I, I just think that it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a great achievement for the sport this year. Yep, certainly is. Will we ever see racing of supercars on the West course again? 
at the bend? Well, I would yeah. think if there's only one event at the bend, they're going to run the international course, surely, aren't they? Well, I mean, it depends. If things go back to what they were supposed to be this year and the bend was due for a 500k enduro, then you'd definitely run a 500k enduro on the international circuit, yeah. but run it with soft tyre. Um, and good luck to them. That would be tremendous. Yeah. But but if not, if it's a sprint round, and, and there's been some rumours around that there may not be an Enduro Cup next year moving forward, we may just have Bathurst as the only two-driver race, um, then, no, I'd, I'd run the West Circuit. I'd, mm. I, I stand by that. I, I think it's, um, it's different enough. Or run the International Circuit on Sunday and run the West Track Saturday and do, do a four-race weekend, mix it up. I, True. I, yeah. I, I don't know why we can't do that. Think outside the box. We, well, if we're there for two days, let's maximise it. Um, I think Dale said that before, didn't he, to an extent? No, I think that's right. If, if anything they take out of this year when they do their debrief, and I'm sure it'll be a, a fairly extensive one, mm. they'll sit back they'll say what we must be proud of, of what we achieved this year is our diversity in racing and the way that we did things so differently yeah. to what we've done it before. Uh, and yeah, I think yeah. they'll look back and they'll think that that'll be a major asset for them in the future. I, I hope they don't revert to just line and length bowling, right? That, that last year was just nice overs in the middle of a test match, rolling the arm over, just keep pitching it outside off stump. Couple go through to the keeper, couple get the middle. This year has been... Show a Bakhtari express pace, bounces, just ducking and diving everywhere. It's really exciting, really fast. But it has been we... too because you haven't known what was coming up. Exactly right. So much of the calendar we didn't know until two or yeah. three weeks before. So neither of them is sustainable for a long time. Yeah. Um, but to, so continue the cricket analogy. They've just got to find the happy ground of boring bowling and really exciting fast-paced bowling. And there's... There's something in the middle that they can find. And, and I hope that that is the learnings they get out of this year. And they don't just revert to type. They, they take the really good bits they've got out of this year. The tire allocation, I think, is one of them. Six sets a weekend. That's it. Away you go. Basically, one a session. And you've got a pit stop in every race. So you're not going to have enough tires to do the full weekend. Great rule. Fantastic. Yep. Um, I, I hope they take those learnings out of it. I really do. And, and it would be sad if they revert back to the way it was just for the sake of it. And like, no, you don't need a fuel drop anymore. The fuel drop was involved, invented into the category as a parity measure for the four cam or the four valve overhead cam cars um, run like the Nissans and the Mercedes AMGs. They're not in the category anymore. We're back to mechanical parity with pushrod V8 engines, at least for the short term. Get rid of it. doesn't yeah. matter. No, for sure. Mm. And also, you look at, you, you know, we, we know that budgets are, are, are stretched. Um, obviously, this year, of course, you, you, it's a bit, but, you know, fewer people at the circuit, fewer things to take around, no fueling. Um, you know, if you, if, if you were running the books of a, a supercar team and all those things were presented to you as savings, I tell you what, once you put your calculator over those across 13 or 14 rounds, that's a substantial amount of money. And, yeah. and, it, and we have to bring the cost down. Yeah. And do you know what it's been? It's been simple. Yeah, yeah. So motorsport has an unbelievably good knack of overcomplicating itself. Yeah. And, and just a week ago, we spoke, spoke to John Hindoff about the balance of performance rubbish for the LMGTE cars at the 24 hour and how motor racing is just legislating itself out of relevance because it's yep. too complicated. And, and we were bordering on that here. You know, we're trying to explain to someone who's a casual viewer of the sport what a fuel drop is. 
It just doesn't, it, it's very, very difficult to do. Um, and this is what happened with GT racing in Australia, where you needed three pages of graphics to explain their ridiculous pit stop rules. Um, on the weekend, everyone was on the same tyre. The tyre matched the car and the circuit. Um, everyone had to make one pit stop. The green flag flew, the lights went out, and then the checkered flag came out and there was a pit stop in the middle. And it, everyone was on the same fuel. So much easier to explain, so much easier as a consumer to take in from a content point of view. It, it's, it's simplified, and I think that in this time of short attention spans and people watching YouTube videos at six minutes apiece, that's what you need. And I, I think a, a 45, 50-minute supercar race like that is just the tonic but also satisfying for the driver as well to the extent that they know that if they win a race nowadays they win it on its merits because everyone's on the same gear they're on the same tires they're on the same fuel they're on the same Mm. everything you win it basically because you're a better driver and your team's performed better on the day so that's got to be satisfying as well the other thing that i think was very enjoyable about it is that the, the, the tv does this massive justice is the excitement of the first lap of a race Yes. And for a punter at the track, you could see them down heavily on the fence at turn one. You know, these things, seeing them twice in a day, start off with a different grid uh, profile, arriving there, first couple of laps, people doing, you know, crazy things at that corner because you can um, on TV. The camera work for those early laps was fantastic. It's just entertainment. And it's better than just having the one, here comes a 300k race, it's going to go for an hour and a half. Anyone's going to tippy toe for the first, you know, fifty minutes. So, yeah, I, I, for a punter at the track, you know, we, we used to we go back in the touring car championship history. There was always multiple races, and they, you know, those first laps were the best of the day. So, yeah, it's been great. Uh, hats yeah. off to everyone involved. Yeah, no, definitely, no doubt about it. Uh, we should congratulate Scotty McLaughlin yeah. on what he's been able to achieve—an amazing effort, three consecutive championships in a row. Uh, two questions the dominance of uh, that team and that driver over the last three years? And secondly, will we see him come back after his IndyCar stint in a few weeks' time? Um, no, we won't. I, I, he'll stay in the States. I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, Roger Penske would be mad to not keep him over there, I, I think. Um, yeah, I, it, it's phenomenal. I, I think this is Scott's best championship, uh, given the circumstances. So... We all, we all know the story. We all know how he, he just lost one in 17. He could have been yeah. a four-time champion this year. Um, but I, I think the redemption arc uh, and the brilliant book, Road to Redemption, that he and Timmy Hodges, good friend of the show, put together is, documents that well. The redemption arc adds to the Scott McLaughlin story so well. And it's something in 25 years we'll all be reminiscing about um, about how Scotty came back to win it the year after he, he you know, clutched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, that was amazing. Last year was blighted by parity, by the Bathurst thing. Yep. Still deserved the championship. In my mind, there's no doubt that he was a worthy winner last season, irrespective of everything that went on. But this year, with a level playing field, and you cannot argue that the field is not level, um, they, they nailed the parity and full credit to supercars with that. But then to have COVID, a rapidly changing schedule, a format that with tyres and race formats only entices varied results. And that was the whole idea and supercars were clear about it. And yet he has won at least one race every single weekend this year. He's wrapped up the championship after effectively nine events. 
Um, and the, the sleuth popped up with the story this week that he's the first driver in the multi-race era of the championship since they've been having two races around since what 1994 to have won at least one race at every round. And that is an extraordinary accomplishment when, when, and I would back this year's field as being more competitive than 1994's with the greatest of respect to Brock Johnson Bow at the front. There were eight good guys. Then there are, you know what? There's been 14 different drivers on the podium this season, eight different race winners. So it's been remarkable. Um, I, I think this is a huge accomplishment for both Scott uh, and the Shell V Power Racing team. It's, it's a remarkable achievement to wrap it up. And how good is it that he's got it done before Bathurst and we don't have to worry about that going into the great race? Yeah, I mean, his, his qualifying speed is second to none. Uh, and as you said, you know, wrapping up for nine rounds. But there's a couple of things that you think about. In those early rounds at, uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park where, where you were playing Tats Lotto with the tyres, he was the bloke who was, you know, 16th, 17th, 18th, and still finished 5th and 6th. Mm. So even in those races where everyone was saying, oh, I've chucked, I had to chuck the second race because we had no tyres, he was the one still carving through the field. So no matter what they threw at him this year, he's driven superbly. Obviously, you know, he's so in tune with that car. Uh, he's had, he hasn't had any bad luck. I mean, number 12 has had some bad luck and other things, but he's just been the class of the field. And I agree. I mean, for him and Timmy Slade to go to Bathurst, and just go to win. We're not going to see a, a Brock six-lap win, but I tell you what, he has got nothing to lose. And Jamie too, you know, Jamie mm. and Lounsey, you know, we're going to just see an out-and-out motor race this year with, with, with no one, there's nothing to play for now. It's, it's win Bathurst at all costs. Which is the best outcome yeah. Yeah, it's in, great. In, in my book. And, and my biggest fear was that we'd get to lap 161 of the 1,000 and Scott McLaughlin would be second and would have a faster car than somebody else. And wouldn't have a crack at winning it. He'd just have to sit there, yeah. Correct. Because because he would be too worried about trying to clinch the championship. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, you can be guaranteed that anyone now will will go the full send and try and win the great race, which is what it should be. And this year, boys, I, I don't know. This year deserves a great, great race. If there's any sort of karma in the world, we're going to get a Bathurst for the ages. It will be 2014 spec finish. I, I just... It feels like it's building to that with the, the level of competition in the field, the good teams performing, but the, the good little teams performing, your Brad Jones Racings, your Kelly Racings, who could be a real dark horse there with great car speed. Um, Erebus, Anton in great form. Uh, WAU with Mostert kicking goals. The, the list goes on. So we'll preview Bathurst better in the next couple of weeks, of course, but it, it's a really exciting prospect that we go there without the burden of a championship fight to worry about. I'm so looking forward to it, but I'm not because I know that it's it. That's it. The season's over. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. wait until next February or March or something until we see it all again. And we're not going to be there, Tony. Well, well no, we're not going to be back this year. You're right. Yeah, we're right. And uh, is that your first miss in how long? Oh, 20 plus. Wow. 22 years, probably. Yeah. I think it's yeah. number 37 for me. It would have been. Yeah, this would have been my 16th consecutive. Yeah, 22 years, I think, since I missed one. Yeah. 17th consecutive, something, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Gary O'Brien will be there for his 87th. Yeah. 870th. 870th. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Hey, uh, a lot to look forward to. And as you said, Richard, we will preview Bathurst properly over the next couple of weeks. Uh, before we go, though, boys, we should talk a bit of F1 because there's been so much happening there. And uh, Russia turned out to be probably a, a better race than 
what we all thought it would be. Sochi doesn't normally throw up anything spectacular in regards to surprises, but gee whiz, Lewis Hamilton uh, shot himself in the foot a couple of times. Well, Tony, I, I actually think there was more happening sort of peripherally around the track than there was on the track for the week. Yeah. First of all, uh, we had Stefano Domenicali appointed or effectively named as the new uh, head of um, Formula One. He comes with a great background. Uh, you know, he, he's, he, he just left Lamborghini as CEO, ran the Form- Ferrari Formula One team, incredibly highly regarded in the pits. Um, as always with a Ferrari uh, racing director, fell on his sword, as they always do. They never, they never last, but he's a, he's a great operator. And then we had this extraordinary situation with, uh, with Lewis, as you mentioned, who went and did burnouts about halfway down the front straight. He was that far out of the pit lane, said, I've done it at every circuit in the world. Team were to blame, there's no doubt about that. They fessed up. But then getting two five-second penalties was extraordinary. The bit I loved about it, though, Tony and, and, and Richard, was that uh, he, he's told that he's got a penalty and he sooks it right up. Yeah. You know, get out of the car, storm up to the, uh, the race director, as he did in uh, um, the last round at, at Monza. Uh, same thing happens to Danny Ricciardo. And he goes, OK, I'll drive faster. Yeah. It was just a lovely, a lovely comparison between where two people's head spaces. And uh, but great, uh, you know, not, not a bad race. I must say that 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 circuit, when the cars are close, uh, actually is is pretty cool. It's not a great racetrack by any yeah. means. But, uh, when they're racing close in that, and again, it was that midfield. Of, of course, it, it it was it was amazing. But uh, boy, boy, it was, the story was off track for mine. I'm happy for the Russian GP to be a thing. I just think next year it should be held at Mugello. <laughs> I don't like Sochi. They've got to do something about turn two. That's that's rubbish. Well, I'll tell you what, Kralzy. The, the, the cars that do, did perform there, one make formula, were formula two. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. Oh, good, weren't they? The, the, the feature race was, was awesome. And the, the sprint race was shaping up to be awesome until one of the greatest, the largest accidents we've ever seen in F2. But on a spec car, that track actually lended itself to really cool racing. But you ain't got spec cars in F1. You've got. No. I, can I just say, I'm really, really disappointed and upset about the way that whole Lewis Hamilton penalty thing went down. The fact that he lost two points on his super license for that's, not taking his penalty. That's been, that, there's got to be something more than that. He's got to be either put back to the back of the. If, if you don't take your penalty in a race, you should just finish zero. Last. He took the penalty price, but he, but the two points off the license have been rescinded. They're, they're not pursuing that because yeah. the oh, okay. team fessed up and said we told him to do it there. So the team are implicated in this as well. So okay. so you know it, it, it's it's and I think Michael Massey made the right call. He had it in his director's notes. Um, yes, there's always ambiguity, but you don't do it there. You, you, they know where they do their starts, and he didn't do it there, and he didn't do it there twice. Yeah, the the thing for mine, Shebex, um, isn't isn't the penalty. I, I agreed with the penalty 100, percent and it helped the race, um, but it was the way he dealt with it. And and Dale, you you touched on it. And look, the the Ricardo thing, and I want to come to that in a minute because I reckon he got stitched up, yeah, now, Dan. But anyway, um, a very different scenario for being penalised. And and Dan made an error. He owned it, fired it off the road, didn't go past the bollard, back on. Um, but, but Lewis, every world champion, every one of the greats has, had a, has got some form of a character flaw, right? So Ayrton Senna was this obsessive, compulsive perfectionist. Part of being a genius, Richard. You'd know about that, Shebex, wouldn't you? Um, 
Um, Schumacher was utterly ruthless. Um, Adelaide 1994. Um, and, and Lewis, I think, is competitive to the point of not believing that he's ever done anything wrong. Oh, yeah, correct. But, and that bugged me. But what bugged me more was his questioning of the team and, and the strategy that they put him on and, and the yep. whinging. Whinging's a wrong word, but it, it was. It yeah, was it complaining was. about it. And I, I was sitting there watching that going, mate, you have won 70 races with this team. You have the most unbelievable strike rate. This team has engineered you to more world championship races than any other driver except Michael Schumacher. You back him to the death, don't you? You Surely you'd sit there and go, do you know what? I reckon they know what they're doing. Yeah. I'll probably just roll with it. Um, and I know some of what Formula One broadcaster radio messages are edited down and they're, they're only snippets of what you hear, but you can push the red button and get the pit lane channel and it's the same stuff. And, and that's what frustrates me about Lewis is, is just, mate, just deal with it. Get, mate, you're in the best car. You're clearly the best driver in the world. You don't feel like you need to bitch and moan when things aren't going your way because you're probably not going to win every race. So that Pete was... Brilliant engineer. He's yeah. been with him all the way. And James Viles is one of the best strategists on the pit wall. He's got the best people. But remember that say. race when it took James to jump on the radio and say, Lewis, yeah. we know what yep. we're doing, mate. You need to listen to us. Yep. That, that really frustrates me. But I suppose it's just one of those things that's in his makeup that is what actually makes Lewis such an amazing racing car driver. On the Ricardo and Ocon thing. So Esteban's told to let Dan go by mm-hmm. um, because he's clearly faster and proved that. Yep. So he goes, righto, I'm going to leave it right to the very end yeah, of the did, fastest so. straight on the track and I'm going to cramp his entry into the corner yep. and see if we can't just trip him up as he goes in. Yep. Now, if Ocon was thinking that, then all power to him because playing playing the individual game there and Dan's leaving and he's not. But I feel like Dan was slightly stitched up with that moment and I reckon... Um, he said, you know, it, it pushed me to drive harder getting the penalty. But I think part of it was, you little French bugger, you've screwed me over here. I'm going to drive harder so I don't finish behind you when I've got this penalty anyway, which I love. It was a terrific drive from Daniel. Interesting looking at the teams that have got drivers leaving. Um, you know, Renault have backed Ricardo. They, they've given, they're, they're, they're fully behind him. Yeah. They're not, they're not favouring Ocon or anything. They're, they're behind him. If you look at McLaren, you know, science has got his head and he's quicker than, than Lando in most cases. And then you look at old mate, Stroll with, mm. with dad's team. Yeah. And Perez doesn't get the right equipment. He's not getting data feedback. And I thought, well, what's, you know, it's just, it's, well, Ferrari's it's, the same though too, Dale. Look well, Ferrari it. is, but, but you know, there's a question mark over just what has happened to Vettel this year. You know, he's not all of a sudden, you know, a slow coach, but clearly that is just a nightmare for him. I, he must be, can't wait to get out of there, but it's a pity really that it's not Perez and Vettel at Racing Point because that would be a serious team. But with Stroll there, it's, you know, it's his team, I guess. But, uh, final final yeah. question on Dan Ricciardo. Uh, has he made the wrong move? No, absolutely not. Different no, place no. over the weekend. No, no. no. The, McLaren, the McLaren on the ascendancy, Zach Brown and the guys have done an awesome job on it. They get Mercedes power next year. The chassis will be built around that, that Mercedes engine. Um, they, be, they will become the, the key Mercedes customer team. Uh, look, Renault have done an awesome job. Take nothing away from it. But Dan is probably hauling that car around. You know, he, he's chasing around the 2019 Mercedes dressed up as a racing point. Yeah. Um, and the McLaren, you know, so the three of them are having a great tussle. 
Uh, and you throw Ferrari in there because Ferrari's now one of that in that group as well. Yeah. But no, look, he's made a great decision, and uh, I just it'll go from strength to strength. Well, and I think the proof of that, and and your point, Dale, about Dan punching above his weight is true. And and look, Ricardo's sixth in the world championship, sixty three yeah. points. He's only two points behind Lando in fourth. Yeah. yeah. So Dan could finish P four in the world championship, all going well. Yeah, Ocon has probably underperformed slightly, and he's twelfth on thirty-six points. So Dan's got double the points. Yeah, the the true Renault pace is probably somewhere between those two. So I, I think I think Daniel's clearly punched above. Um, yeah, I I think he's fine. I, I, McLaren will be good. Look, Enstone will be a great team moving forward, and and the Alonso thing. I I hope he's still fast and still as good as he was because that it will be a great story for Formula 1 if he can be competitive and come back and perform like Ricardo has in that car this year. That would be great for the sport, yeah. um, having Alonso back in a competitive car. But I, I, I think he's made the right call. Um, the McLaren's a bit hit or miss this year in, in terms of its performance. It seems really strong some weekends and not the others, but, um, but they'll get better and better and, and come 22 with the new car set, the new rules. That's the big opportunity. And I, I think his timing to be at McLaren is probably better than being at what will be Alpine uh, next year. So no, I, Aussie F1 drivers have got a habit of jumping into the right, the wrong team at the wrong time or the right team at the wrong time, more to the point. Yeah. Um, because if Sebastian Vettel wasn't at Red Bull when Mark Webber was, Webber would be a five-time world champion. But, yep. um, and the Williams thing was exactly the same. Um, and you could probably argue Daniel's move across to Renault was as well. But um, no, I, I, at this point, I think he'll be okay. Wouldn't it be good if he finishes fourth? I didn't even notice he was that far behind. I'm just looking at the points yeah. now. How could we P4 in the World Championship? Yeah, be yeah it's good. He, this year. He's, the last couple of rounds, he's just been racking up the points. And yeah. it's, he's really done well. Of course, Stroll had an accident. He was he Stroll's in front of him. Signs yeah. had an accident. It was also in front of him. So th- th- these couple of races have benefited him incredibly well. So mm. which, is ju- which is fair because he got pinged a few times earlier in the year where he should have got points. So, yeah, I think he's about where he is. Great. I think he'll go great in a 2020 Mercedes next year. It'll be fantastic. McLaren. McLaren. No, but it'll be the 2020 Mercedes from this year, won't it? Won't they no, do the same as racing? No, no, no. no it's racing, racing point, point mate. No. Oh, no, no, I'm no, saying, no, won't no. they do the same? Come on. No, no, no. no, no. no. McLaren are a fair income constructor. Yeah. No, that's that's not, let's, let's give them some credit. Yeah. Good point. The old, hey, um, yeah. the old team's championship's pretty good, boys, too. Well, yeah. I've got the spreadsheet in front of me. Um, yeah. McLaren third, 106, um, pink Mercedes, 104, Renault, 99. Um, yeah. And the red car, 74, not out of the mix, but not going to do anything. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting Certainly. stuff. And seven rounds to go, so there's plenty of points. Yeah, oh, that's, that's the amazing part. There's seven rounds to go, and we're coming into October. And yeah. some cracking racetracks coming up. Yeah. So, yeah. And this has been the big appeal for mine this year, and it, it's re-engaged me massively with Formula 1. It's been these different racetracks. Yeah. Um, we, we love Mugello. We talked about that. So they're back at the Nürburgring next yeah. week, which has always been a really good track yeah. for modern-day Formula 1. They've had great racing. Week after that, they're at Portimao which is going to be extraordinary in the Algarve. Um, uh, San Marino the week after that, which is going to be huge. And then back to Istanbul with that wicked turn eight complex. So, um, and then a double in Bahrain and that ring circuit at Bahrain, which is going to be something really, really different. So it's pretty exciting. Hamilton's going to win the world championship by an enormous margin and Merck constructors, that doesn't matter. But these races, I think there's a real potential for another, um, a little Pierre Gasly upset somewhere along the way, I would have thought. And uh, hopefully it's our Dan doing the job. Yeah, fingers crossed.
Hey, boys, always great to catch up. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for your time, Dale, and uh, look forward to a Bathurst preview with you in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, great, Tony. Look forward to it, mate. It's going to be terrific. Good on you. Dale Rogers, Richard Quill joining us here on The Grid. Tony Shubecki signing off. We'll catch you again next week. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.